listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of ESL Talk. I'm Daniel. And I'm Faye. And we've covered some fascinating topics so far this season, and this episode promises to be just as interesting. Yes, very true. Today, we're talking all about effective speaking strategies that work. As teachers, we all speak a lot, but how do we make our words really count and our students really speak? How do we maximize every conversation and interaction? Yeah, this is an episode I'm really looking forward to as how we speak and communicate with our students can make a huge difference to our students' progress and learning. Our guest today, Jeff, brings 30 plus years of English education and learning to the podcast, as well as his patented ping pong talking theory. Which I'm actually really curious to know about. I, I, I haven't heard of that before, but it sounds quite interesting to say the least. We'll definitely get a lot of um, great ideas from him today. Um, so, Faye, let's get started today. And um, can you tell me, first of all, for you, what are some speaking strategies that you implement into your classes? Well, actually, I've always been a huge, a huge believer in minimal teacher talking time or the infamous TTT, if you've taken a CELTA or a TESOL course before. I always try to speak as little as possible in my classes. So I employ a few strategies for that. Um, for instance, I rarely answer students' questions immediately. So if a student asks me a question in class, I always ask the question back to the rest of the group if it's a group class. And I try to see if anyone can answer that first. Um, sometimes I even give students uh, some time to discuss in pairs and all that, and then I check and clarify. So that already helps a lot with that TTT. If it's tutoring, I usually ask the student to tell me what they think the answer is first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, there are a couple of advantages to that. Like, obviously, you, you, speak, you, you talk less, but also it helps them become more independent and more confident because they often already know the answer, right? Yeah. And uh, one other thing I like to do is I always include um, small group discussions at every stage of a lesson, like as a warmer before I start a lesson to check comprehension. I have students discuss what we just um, learned when they're comparing answers or even for um, post-lesson discussions. 
and right. things like that, right? How about you, Daniel? Yeah, um, a lot of similar techniques as yourself. Um, I'm not a teacher, I'm a facilitator. So mm -hmm. it's not about me, you know, telling you what you should do or how you should do something. It's me questioning, discussing, um, getting students to be active and involve themselves in the lesson and the material. So, you know, at the start of a class, I might not say anything. I might show you a really short video clip or an image or a group of images to get you thinking. Mm. Um, to start a class, I might not even go into the class before we link it to the previous uh, lesson or the previous week's classes. So I might say, so what did we do on Monday? Or what did we do in the last class? I'm going to give you three minutes now to check your notes, check your learning and, you know, relay mm -hmm. to me. And I'll get those responses in audio form by students speaking. I'll get them in written form by students writing them so that they're always on their toes. And also I'll, I will always preface that with be prepared to, to discuss it or be prepared to write it because I am mm -hmm. going to choose students at random. So they have to be on their toes. And that's a really good way to get students speaking. Um, okay. Another thing, again that I'd like to do is to make sure that during a class there's lots of opportunities for students to ask questions so we're stopping regularly is this clear is there anything you're not sure about um does this make sense and then if if we get the bubble heads which is you know the the, mm -hmm. the automatic nodding of the head I might say yep. okay Faye um, can you just summarize what we did in this part of the lesson or can you tell me how I should complete this activity or mm -hmm. what are we doing now? Mm -hmm. That's a really great way to check for um, learning and also make sure students are speaking. And then the most important thing, like you said, is minimize the teacher talking time. My role is just here's the activity. Here's what we need to do. Here's how we need to do it. Over to you. So I'll always have a lot of pair work, group work, and discussion work. I think that's a huge part to improve learning. And not only that, it also improves students' confidence, um, their knowledge yep. of the topic, and also their confidence uh, in speaking English. So, yeah. Yeah, I really like what you said about uh, you prepare them first. You say, I am going to yes. ask you about this later. So, so you, they, they know it's coming. They focus more and then they're more willing to talk, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. But but why do you think it's important for us to focus so much on speaking and quality conversation in class? Yeah, this is another thing that I was going to mention, actually. You just said why. I always teach students right at the beginning, learn the W, uh, the w questions. Because if you know the W questions, you can navigate any conversation, any text mm -hmm. or any piece of writing. So why is it important? Well, if students are speaking regularly, then they're going to be more likely to ask questions, to answer questions, to help each other, to um, connect other aspects of their learning together. So it's really important for quality conversations, which means gentle corrections, peer editing, uh, group editing. This way, all the students are involved in the process. The teacher is involved, but it's more of a guider and a facilitator than a teacher per se. Um, and good conversations don't need to be perfect conversations. If students are making mistakes, yep. that's okay. Can my listener or can my audience understand me? Mm -hmm. Can my listener, can my audience follow what I'm saying? And can they um, ask questions that I can answer? That Those are the really important skills that we need to facilitate. And the most important thing, if you can speak well and you can converse well with your peers and your teachers then we can think critically and critical thinking is the biggest the biggest thing that students can learn. Yes. yeah 
So talking about, you know, improving students' communication and the quality of their Mm -hmm. speaking, how do you correct or bring attention to your learner's spoken English? Yeah, I think you kind of mentioned that, but um, this idea of they don't have to be correct all the time. Mm -hmm. Accuracy is not the goal. It's a tricky thing to do. I think it's we all when we learn teaching, we always kind of separate activities into fluency and accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. So if I am doing a fluency activity, like let's say a post-reading discussion or a final speaking activity following a, a grammar lesson, right. I'm focusing more on their fluency there. And I don't want to interrupt that flow. I don't want to focus on the issues. I don't want them to focus on that. Right. So I, what I do is I try to um, take mental or um, actual notes sometimes of errors that I hear while I'm monitoring them. And as you get more experienced, you can kind of do that in your head. You don't really have to write it down, but um, when you're starting out, you can. And when the students are finished with the task, yes. I might put that up on a bo- on the board um, for class correction. I never say who said what, because mm-hmm. that otherwise next time they're not going to be as um, free, free to speak or as confident. So right. I just put them up randomly and I say, I heard these things. Can, can you guys talk about it? And again, I give them the chance to discuss in pairs or groups, like what's wrong, what could be different and, and, and things like that. And uh, if I have a class that's particularly shy or quiet, I might even do the opposite. I will actually take note of the, the good examples they've used or some sentences that are notable for a good grammar, target language, and then that will help build their confidence. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I might uh, do errors later on but um, that's usually how I do for speaking. And I just try to create a bit of awareness. I think noticing and being aware are really key for that. Um, yeah. do, you, do you try some of that too, Daniel? Yeah, so kind of similar to what you said, if it's a one-on-one class, because I do have a lot of one-on-one students, what I'll be doing is during a discussion, I don't want to interrupt the flow or the, mm. you know, the kind of the um, fluency of it. So I'll always be taking notes. So my fingers will be tapping the keyboard all the way through a lesson. And then at the end of the lesson, I might say, so here are a few things for feedback for homework or, you know, before the next lesson, take a look at your errors. What kind of errors are they? Are they articles, plurals, prepositions? You know, these are the most common mm-hmm. ones, subject of agreement. Uh, why don't we go back and correct those? And then for the next the next lesson, the first five minutes, let's recap that conversation. Uh, let's okay. see if we can put that learning into practice. So that's one way. Um, in a class, what I will do is I'll always do the kind of the, um, the, the, the throwback. So mm-hmm. if a student says, you know, yesterday I go to mm-hmm. uh, supermarket, I'll say, oh, yeah, cool. you mean you mean you went to the supermarket? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So again, yeah. kind of bounce it back to the student um, just mm-hmm. to kind of make them gently aware in a nice way without kind of saying, no, you, you should say this. It's right. Oh, yeah. do you do you mean? All right. And then again, being question, having that questioning tone. Um, what do you mean exactly by this? You know, you said uh-huh. this word. Do we mean this or could we say this? Oh, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. That's another technique. Um, and then one more thing that I think is really useful to help students as well is when they're writing something. Um, if, again, in a group scenario, I'll get them to submit things anonymously and you know different tools that we can use so they don't know other students don't know who it is. And we might analyze it as a class. Now, I might say to that student one-to-one, is it okay if we look at your writing? No one will know it's you. Right. Um, it's just as a learning tool. And I'll use, I'll, I'll always do three examples. I'll do a great example. I'll do good example and a not so good example. Mm-hmm. So then students have a range of really good, not bad, and could be better. Um, so that's always a good thing. And then finally is if we do a presentation or a speaking task, 
feedback and reflection. So Faye, why do you think it's important that students speak as much as possible during classes? Yeah, so we talk, we, I think we touched a lot on this already, but I, mm. I, I love the word you used before. I really see myself as their language facilitator. Yes. And I think that should be what every teacher, how every teacher sees themselves as, because at the end of the day, you're, you're, you want them to become proficient in the language. And the best way to do that is to speak it and practice. Yes. Uh, we are proficient in it already. We don't need to speak it that much, right? Mm -hmm. So oftentimes what happens too is that the only chance our students have of doing that is while they're in class, they have no other way of speaking English or no one else to speak to. Um, so they should be able to practice as much as possible. It's yep. also less boring for them if they're the yes. ones doing the work and talking. And it's honestly easier for you as a teacher. Uh, that's why I personally find tutoring a lot more tiring and exhausting than yes. group classes because the focus is a lot more on you because you have to basically you have to speak more but in a group mm. setting I, you, you can speak so little that you, you you can barely speak and then the students do all the work and that's yep. great you're not being lazy you're actually maximizing the time they have and, and making it yes. more valuable for them and you're empowering them as well giving them Absolutely. the tools that they need to be successful so yeah so so related to that how do, how do you facilitate that in your classes? Yeah. How do you make it maximized? The thing I've said all throughout, if you've listened to previous episodes, is that context is king, context is key. And knowing the situations or the time or the places where you can use it, you know, task, kind of task-based speaking is really useful to help students speak as much as possible. So giving students options of if I was in an airport or if I was in a hotel or if mm -hmm. I was walking down the street, you know, how could I use this language? So that's a really good thing to do. So giving students choice can help them speak more because if they have a little bit of knowledge on a topic they'll be able to speak more confidently about it um, and then also with this uh, speaking as much as possible putting them in groups where they're responsible for specific tasks or specific duties or responsibilities within that group mm -hmm. that will get them working so let's say it's a presentation. Okay, Faye, you're in charge of the introduction, which is the first four minutes. Okay, Daniel, you're in charge of the um, first main research point, which is four minutes. Okay, the next person, you're in charge of the next four minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's equal. Um, they have to all work together and they all have to speak for an equal amount of time. I think that's a really great way to maximize that. And then also getting students who are listening who might not be speaking to always take notes and write down right. questions around those five W's. An easy way to ask a question is to ask a why, what, when, where, or who mm -hmm. question. Um, easy way to build and uh, connect those ideas, connect the ideas of others and, and build understanding as well. I think those and are again, improve their critical thinking, which is what you said before, right? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So, Faye, how do we then, take it, taking this on another step, how do we then develop and improve students' speaking skills in an achievable way? How do we kind of check for progress or assess um, speaking? Because it's quite difficult. It is, and, and I kind of touched on this already, but I do think we need to create that awareness um, their self-awareness so that they can notice the progress too. And I think we need to give them at first simple achievable goals. So one thing I like to do, because most of my experiences with more uh, upper intermediate advanced learners and exam prep, but in, in, that, in that case, they're usually quite fluent. Mm -hmm. But I often try to pick on something that they use excessively, for instance, okay, um, let's not say I think all the time. There's nothing wrong with it, but you're at a level where you could have more variety. Yes. So 
first I try to create that awareness. The first couple times I mentioned that they don't they don't think they say that too much. So when they when do when we do a couple of activities, I ask them to count each other's uh, like the number mm. of times the other person said I think. And again, this this hinders fluency, which is something we mentioned we don't want to do all the time, but it does at first. But that creates that awareness in them, and they're like, "Oh, I am doing that." <laughs> and then they start to analyze their own speaking, and it's so important for higher levels because they can communicate already, but maybe not to the best of their ability. Right. And at first, they notice that, and then they start. They definitely lose fluency, and they can be quite frustrating. So that's where you come in. Uh, to motivate them, to facilitate and remind them this is natural. I, I, I like to even show them like articles sometimes, even if they're more academically oriented, like by Michael mm-hmm. Long, he wrote a book on that, on, on noticing. And like, this is a theory. We understand how this works. This is your brain working to improve. And then you give them the tools and you give them the, the, the things they can use to replace that phrase, for instance, and they start using it. And it's really rewarding when you see their progress and then you point it out and they're like, wow, that's true. I I can do that so much better now. Some teachers even like to record students on the first day of class and then record them at the end again and show them that improvement. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I do regularly as well. Having like a kind of um, like a diagnostic at the beginning with for speaking, Mm -hmm. listening, reading and writing, and then showing the difference at the end is, is, you know, it's a really great way to, to point students at their progress and kind of tying into what you said. I had a student, Brazilian student who Mm. loves to say the word, basically every sentence, basically, 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 basically. And then I said, well, we're in, you know, we're in a university um, style class. It's very academic. So we don't want to, make things basic we want to make them detailed and deep and you know analytical so here are five words you can use instead of basically and to this day he hasn't used that word so yeah yeah, it definitely works that's what's driven I think I have a series of posts on my Instagram for ways to say phrases yes I'm a huge believer in that not I, I never want students to think they're wrong I never say don't say I think this is wrong it is not but these are other ways you can do that, you know, and just giving that's our role is to give the student the alternative and help them notice it and then show them their progress. That's how you make it achievable. Exactly. But in terms of the class content, how do you think all of this that we discussed drives your content? Yeah, I would always my approach to teaching doesn't matter who I'm teaching. What I'm teaching is I do a step by step approach. So, for example, we have a presentation at the end of this week. We have three classes to get there. Here's what we're going to do today. Here's what we're going to do in the next class. Here's what we're going to do on the last class. And I just break things down step by step so that students can see, Okay, here's our journey. Here's our plan step by step. Here's what we have to do. So I need to be able to understand this topic and speak about it and, you know, be able to talk about some of the main ideas ideas or the keywords. In the next class, I need to be able to give my opinion or my response to this idea or this text or be able to give some more examples or some research. In the final class, I need to present and structure and organize all of these ideas in a coherent way to achieve the the grade or to to pass this, this level. So step by step, piece by piece is a really good way to to do that and to get these speaking skills to where they need to be so that students can not only understand, they can respond, they can interpret, they can analyze, and then they can present it and, you know, synthesize the information and they can present it to their peers or to their teacher um, to show their success. That's great. You're basically adjusting their expectations and making their role and their 
their their goals very clear right and the beauty is if you break things down step by step there's no confusion there's no misunderstanding mm -hmm. it's today we're doing Absolutely. this we, we're not going here yet we're going to go here first and then here and then mm -hmm. here and we'll reach the end goal together and we'll answer those questions or i'll help you challenge any misconceptions or support you if needed at each at each step of the, the journey wow we already had a great discussion to kick things off today we did. We're now going to hear from our special guest, Jeff, who's a real inspiration to me. And he's a vastly experienced English educator with 30 plus years of teaching experience under his belt. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Let's get started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jeff, we're honored to have you here with us today. Could you start by telling us briefly about your extensive teaching experience today? Well, uh, I have nearly 30 years teaching multiple levels and groups of students in both secondary, post-secondary, and I should add community education as well. So lots of, lots of experience working with a vast majority of students. And then what are some ways you'd like to engage your students during your English classes? You know, I, I, Faye, great question. I, I find that it's real important for me to know who my students are, mm -hmm. to know their background, to find those things that they're involved with, just so I have a, a topic where they can engage in talking to me about um, something that they know a lot about. So oftentimes I find 
uh, I find myself asking of them about maybe their homeland, their family members, their mm -hmm. social activities, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, another thing I, I use to help students get engaged in talking in, in English in class, and oftentimes I use English as the global language because yeah. it connects us all together throughout the globe, um, is obvious the parents share. Sometimes I call it turn and tell your neighbor, you know, I'm talking about something mm -hmm. and I say, okay, you know, talk to your neighbor with that. And I think it's important specifically for like uh, um, the overall dynamics of the class is that each pair has a, each member of the pair has an equal amount of time to talk. Yeah. So oftentimes I find myself kind of being like the referee. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, student A will have two minutes and maybe I'll blow a whistle or say, okay, you know, not, now it's time for student B. So I'm aware of that two minutes because I don't want one student to dominate the conversation. Yeah, another way I engage students is by the use of my body language. And I, mm -hmm. I'm very theatrical in class. I find that teaching oftentimes is a lot of theater. So yeah. I use that. And I've had many, many, many um, comments from students mm -hmm. saying that it's it's my body language that really makes them connect with what I'm saying. So I That's think great. it's real important. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then, you know, common phrases, common words, uh, or I should say repetitious words and phrases that I use all the time, you know, to help students engage in, in um, conversation is mm -hmm. I always give them the positive strokes like awesome and, and um, you know, fantastic. And, and students will oftentimes by the week you know, further into the term, they'll often say those words, you know, that I'm using all the time. So right, they kind of yeah. kind of mock me a little bit, but they know that I'm really positive. And then, you know, for example, like in class in, in a particular resource that we use, it has a blue box that has grammar in it. So I, I say, okay, now read the blue box and turn and tell your neighbor what it's all about. So that blue box thing is a kind of a stamp in their memory. That blue box means grammar. So, you know, I, I use these kind of hooks, if you will, to get students to start talking. Yeah, and we have like lots of great tools. Um, does any of this change uh, in a classroom on like an online environment from the classroom to the online environment? Well, you, you know, the first thing I think about is my body language. I'm only able to show a certain amount of my body language because I sit in front of a screen. Right. So, you know, in the classroom, I'm moving around and I'm using my hands, my legs, uh, my whole body. Mm -hmm. So that that helps a lot. You know, you know, in addition to all the things that I do to get people or students to engage in, in talking, um, I've kind of paralleled myself with Daniel, your colleague here and using humor. Humor is a nice way to, you know, break up the, the ice a little bit and have students yeah. start to talk. So I use that as well. And, and, and so with humor, I can still use that online, but I can't use the body language that kind of accompanies the, the humor. So, you know, sometimes it may go in maybe in one ear and out the other yeah. online, whereas in the actual uh, brick and mortar classroom, they would maybe uh, get the gist of what I'm, what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. So Jeff, the moment has come. Can you tell us a little bit about your ping pong talking theory? <laughs> yes, 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 I will. Um, I, I think about when I was a young, young lad and learning how to play ping pong, you know, Daniel and Faye, that's the game where you use a paddle and a little mm -hmm. white ball and you try to hit it back and forth to your partner on a flat table. Right. And yeah. when you, and when you, you, when you see the real good players, the sound is like, 
really quick, right? And yeah. so when I was a young kid and learning how to play ping pong, sometimes the sound of my ping pong game was and that was it. I had to pick up the ball. I missed it. I had to hit it back to Daniel if he was, say, if he was my my partner. And then Daniel would hit it back. And, you know, initially, we're not very good. And just like when we're speaking as an additional language, we're not very good. We're making mistakes. We're, we're picking yeah. up the ball multiple times, that kind of thing. But the more we practice, Faye and Daniel, that's when we begin to hear... So in other words, I'm able, to, because I practice, I'm able to send my message to you, Faye, and mm -hmm. you're able to understand and you know you know how to kind of formulate your grammar and your, your response, and you hit it back to me. And sure enough, when we're beginning to play ping pong with the global language, we're oftentimes making mistakes, and it's slow, and it's tedious, and it's, you know, it's enduring. But the more we practice, you know, in a year from now, we're going... Just right. as much as we're using the language. So that's my ping pong theory. I tell students, you know, think of English as playing ping pong. Yeah. At the beginning, you're not very good. But as you practice, you'll be able to, you know, quickly um, receive and then throw the ball back again or receive your, your message in English and then produce the message in English to your the person that you're speaking. Oh, I, I really like that. I might, I might steal that. Yeah, uh, please for do. Please I, I will. I will. Um, I will cite my sources and I will make sure that you get credit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but, I, yeah, I think it's equally important too when we first begin to play a game like ping pong or we're first talking the global language of English is to um, make sure that we never give up. Yeah, you know, I can't hit the ball. I'm not very good. In fact, maybe I suck if I can use that informal language on your yeah. podcast. Here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm not very good. But you know what, darn it, I'm not going to give up. Yeah, I'm going to continue to go and I continue to practice. That's the thing that motivates me because I want to be like the, the next grand champion of ping pong mm -hmm. with the global language, right? Yeah. And, then, and, and with that, when I when I practice, I try to make it fun too. I, pay, I play ping pong or maybe I'm talking with my my friends you with music maybe it's we're singing songs together or just music in the background I feel uplifted you know I'm around the people that I enjoy playing around I make sure that the environment is comfortable you know yeah. so yeah uh, and the thing that I I constantly remind myself whether it's ping pong with the ball or ping pong with the global language is that I'm just practicing and playing that's mm -hmm. all I'm doing that's great. Now, now, what are some strategies that newer teachers can start implementing in their classes right away, you think, to help their students get speaking more? Yeah, let's do this. Seize the moment. Mm. I think we've all heard that before. So what I say is when those students first come into your classroom and they're there, they're hungry to talk and they're hungry to play ping pong with you. So you really have to be the initiator and throw the ball to them. So mm -hmm. right at the beginning, begin that dialogue with them. And then as more people, more students come into the classroom, then you can kind of foster that off to incorporating more, more students in the conversation. And then you can kind of maybe foster that off into having them take it all over by themselves and you can kind of eliminate yourself from the whole conversation. That's one thing I think about is seize the moment, looking for those those students who, um, at, for every opportunity that I can talk with. Um, I, I think uh, with that, with this idea is to create the environment and to create the environment so it's safe. Make it comfortable to make mistakes. 
You know, mm-hmm. I, I often will make a mistake or maybe I'll laugh at myself and I'll say, oh, look at this. I've made a mistake. But you know what? I'm just practicing. And, and I make this comment that I've been practicing for about, oh, let's see. I won't give my age away for about 54 years. That's how 54, 55 <laughs> years I've been or maybe even longer. I've been practicing for a long time and I'm still not perfect. Faye, Dan, mm-hmm. You know, so I want to, you know, keep that that safe environment. And then uh, another thing that teachers can do, I think, is when they hear those those uh, those errors that students are make, is take that indirect approach in in correcting their grammar. So mm-hmm. maybe with if they say, you know, um, uh, I, I go to the store yesterday. So you know they they're not using the correct past tense. So I said, oh, so if I understand, you went to the store yesterday, and how did that go? You know, so yeah. they I. I I've corrected their grammar mistakes indirectly. What else? Uh, you know, uh, above all, I guess what I'm saying is be the model. Be the mm-hmm. model for all of this. The teacher has to, to be the model. So you have to pick out those opportunities to speak with students and to create a safe environment and to get that ping pong game going. With that is not only do you have to be the model, but you really have to be the director or the coach in that I look at my players and put those players in their respective positions and and then kind of throw them the ball and and teach them what to do with the ball. So, you know, and, and so with that coaching, you're oftentimes, okay, time out. It's not working correctly we we have to do this again or maybe yeah yeah this is what i like this is you know this is great and then you know always that that constant dialogue that constant communication to students of how they're performing and you know as well as i do students love to to hear positive comments so i try to flood them with uh, positive comments Mm -hmm. you know all the time again hence awesome you know or awesome job and then you know, and overall, I, I think what I try to do um, to help students with their speaking is I do and then we do together and then you do. I talked about that. I start the conversation. We do it together. And then I pull myself out of that conversation. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and then I think a last time is like in a class discussion when you're giving that question for all students to to respond. I know we're real quick and we want that quick answer, but I think we have to give them some wait time. Like maybe five, 10 seconds, count yourself, 10,001, uh, 10, 10,002, 10,003 kind of thing. And then when you get 10,010, then, okay, uh, you know, what's the, what's, the, what answers do you have? And mm-hmm. with that, oftentimes I'll start with an answer starter. Yep. You know, I, yep. give, I model for them. So, right. you know, I think that's real important for, you know, for te- new teachers that have some of these strategies if they want students to perform. And I think that's what we all want is that performance. Mm-hmm. Awesome. There we go. It's Taking awesome. leaf out of your book, Jeff. There, there you yeah. Go. yeah. Great. So <laughs> thinking about students at the lower level, a lot of obviously a lot of students you work with have, you know, very little or maybe even almost zero ability in English. So how do we get those students speaking quickly and, and building their confidence quickly? Okay, I'll say this real short. Encouragement, 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 and even still encouragement. So I didn't say it short, but the thing is, Daniel, is I think it's really, really um, purposeful for us to offer that encouragement to Mm -hmm. boost that confidence, you know, to to say, yeah, I like what I'm hearing. This is good. You know, I really like the way you're performing. And and along with that, that encouragement, once again, the environment has to be safe. You know, as a student, 
I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bring attention to myself because I've, I'm doing something wrong or someone's going to mock me or, you know, point a, an error out to me. I want to make sure it's safe. So I think safety is a second concern. And, and, and third, encouragement. So you have to be really encouraging. You know, you have to be the cheerleader of the coaching staff, if you will. All right. That's all great. But Jack, tell us what techniques do you think work best to help students improve fluency and confidence more quickly? I think two that are really important because of the age of technology is to use uh, your iPhone mm-hmm. along with the maybe the bathroom mirror. And, 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 and w- when I talk about this, I know, you know, sometimes it's difficult specifically as English is a global language and the diffusion of sounds of our words and sometimes diffusion of our sounds from one non-native speaker from another not non-native speaker. They get you know, uh, mixed up with, with the appropriate sounds. And so the meanings of those messages can get kind of confused, right? Mm. So I think it's at, it's an adamant uh, objective for students to try to practice as near as native uh, pronunciation as possible. And mm. with that, I think, okay, one thing that may cause a problem are maybe R and L, world and word. That's a real difficult sound for many speakers mm-hmm. to say. So when you're saying this in a presentation or something, it could cause some confusion. Mm-hmm. Confusion. So, you know, I teach students for their tongue, they hit the top of their mouth when they say the R and L, and they can do this with their mirror. You know, mm-hmm. they can see if their their mouth and in touch and that you know if their tongue touches the top of the roof of their mouth. Mm-hmm. The same thing holds true. Maybe not so important as the th sound, but we know is it a three or is it a tree? Mm-hmm. You know, so with that, I can stay um, look in front of the mirror and see if my tongue uh, exits my mouth and it's stuck between my top teeth and my bottom teeth. Because mm-hmm. if I see my tongue then more than likely I'm saying the TH correctly and someone's going to be able to identify whether I said tree or three. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing is iPhone recordings. Use your phone to record your voice. Yeah. Record your phone, use your phone to record conversations and do a self-assessment. Yeah, that's so, great. I mean, these are all yeah. like also great techniques that students can use to work yeah, on yeah. independently, right? So that they improve yeah. their speaking yeah, skills in exactly. general. Yeah. yeah, that's great. All right. So let's move it on to resources, Jeff. So okay. what resources work well to help facilitate teaching in the classroom? What would we say in terms of resources? Okay. One thing, Y-O-U-T-U-B-E, YouTube. oh come on youtube 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 there's so much content on youtube Mm -hmm. you know so that's the first thing vimeo is is effective at times as well it's another you know videos uh online platform that students can use um another the another one that i use a lot is eapfoundations.com are you are both of you familiar with eapfoundations.com no no i'm not oh listen you have to go there Mm -hmm. eapfoundations.com is a website produced by i should have the name i believe the last name is shelton if i can find it quickly and he talks about he presents uh information strategies uh about reading writing listening and 
in um, speaking and along with that subtitle such as with speaking is it pronunciation is it you know intonation that kind of thing so it's a really good website to use mm-hmm. so my my top two youtube and eapfoundations.com yeah i'm just looking at it here um just so our listeners can get it so it's eapfoundation.com so there's no s um just opened it up yeah it looks great there's lots of like different sections and and different uh ready to use materials it seems it's nice and and with this thing is if i become a subscriber i'm just a a, you know a member of Mm eapfoundation.com it allows me after i look at the material and along with the 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 articles that are presented uh, there's an audio version of that so i can Mm -hmm. check my pronunciation and, you know, the rhythm right. of my language and everything. So that's really nice. Along with uh, the page that I'm looking at, maybe it's vocabulary. If I'm a member, then I can go to resources and activities. And mm-hmm. that provides a uh, practice for me. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of talked about this already a little bit, but what advice would you give to new teachers to help them get their students to speak as much as possible to really well, maximize that speaking time? Once again, seize the moment. There's mm-hmm. always chances to speak there's always chances to play ping pong bring Mm -hmm. your ping pong paddle and your ball with you and you know start playing as soon as you see a student enter your classroom start talking with them Mm -hmm. you know and and with with that repetition it just comes along with um confidence as well Mm -hmm. Um, right the other thing is don't reinvent the wheel Mm -hmm. so so don't reinvent the wheel when it comes to maybe lesson plans and and that kind of thing Uh, steal as much as you as possible. <laughs> and I've been stealing for nearly three decades. Yeah. I have a, I have a big collection of treasure troves. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, like we say, Jeff, when you, when you borrow from one person, it's stealing, but if you borrow from many people, it's research. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then the, the, the last thing is at the end of the day, give yourself some time to be a reflective teacher, mm-hmm. you know, a, a recount in your mind, you know, what happened through the day from the beginning of the middle and the end and what are the things that worked well and what are the things that didn't work so yeah. well. That's great yeah, and I believe our listeners probably are naturally good at that. I mean, if they're listening to our podcast, it's because they, they probably want to become better teachers, right? right. And want to think right. about their own teaching and, and hopefully this can help them achieve that more easily. Yes. Right. So yeah, just one final question for today then, Jeff. So okay. uh, what is one thing you wish you knew before you started your teaching journey? And what's one message you'd like to share with our audience today? Uh, what's one thing that I, you know, that's a loaded question, Daniel. You know, I've been doing this for such a long time I think of so many possible answers. And if I were to just choose one, you know, your time is limited. Don't try to try to, I, I think one thing that I've learned is do as much as you can for a, a specific amount of time and then leave it alone. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, leave the classroom and come home and enjoy your home life. Don't bring school work home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so what I've tried to, what I've tried to do throughout my career is to be real disciplined on, you know, give it my 110% effort from eight to five Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. but from, from five until nine that evening time, I give my 100% effort for the, for the person who, I, whom I am, you yeah. know, the, who I who likes to play sports or watch baseball on television. So I think that's really a a good thing to learn, to be disciplined Mm -hmm. with your time. This was just wonderful to hear from a teacher with so much passion and enthusiasm and all of your experience. I think our our listeners can definitely learn a lot from that. Yeah, no problem. You know, the final message is, 
just don't give up. Great. You know, <laughs> it's a long journey. Teaching is a long journey. Don't give yeah. up, you know, try to do your best. Great. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us today, Jeff. No problem. So we have now reached the end of another episode and a great one that was. And as always, remember to subscribe to receive the latest episodes each Wednesday. You can follow us on Instagram at ESL Talk Podcast, or you can send us an email to eslTalkPodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, feel free to reach out if you'd like to share your passion and expertise in a future episode of the podcast. Um, we're regularly getting emails from you guys, which is awesome. So please keep those coming. And don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another brand new episode. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more ESL teaching content. 